Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash breachingextinction and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's easy. Go to audible.com slash breachingextinction. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 49th episode of Breaching Extinction. This week, I had the chance to chat with Tori Obermeyer, one of the co-producers of the film Co-Extinction. Also, a couple announcements. This Tuesday, October 13th, we will be hosting a live trivia night via Zoom. Um, I'll post the link for that on our Instagram and our Facebook. You can also send us a message if you're interested, but that'll be happening Tuesday, October 13th at 6.30 p.m., Uh, And then we have the final episode of the first season coming out on October 16th. So stay tuned for that. Um, But hope you guys enjoy this. Awesome. So I've got Tori Obermeyer here. She's one of the co-producers of Co-Extinction. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I've already had the privilege of getting to know you a little bit and know that you love whales and Dolly Parton and you're from Ohio. All great qualities for a human. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so excited to be on the show today too. So thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. Basically my journey with the Southern residents kind of started in 2017. Um, I was working on the Soundwatch vessel, uh, which is run out of Friday Harbor. And basically what uh, that program does is we monitor whale behavior and vessel disturbance Mm -hmm. and basically just see how, you know, how many boats, uh, what the boats are doing and how or if the whale, that impacts the whale's behavior. Um, With that, we also educate boaters and talk to them why there are these regulations and how to follow them. So that was my first experience with the Southern residents. It was amazing. (laughs) Living on the island was amazing. And I was part of a really wonderful team. Uh, So that made all the difference too. (laughs) Um, And that coming from Ohio just felt like a dream, like being out on the water every day and getting to see whales every day was just incredible. Um, and then from there, went back to Ohio, finished up school, and then I had a friend send me a message saying, like, hey, check out this documentary that's starting out. They knew um, I was going to school for photojournalism and environmental science, and then that I was wanting to make documentaries and have that be kind of my career path, and yeah. so it was a perfect opportunity, and I reached out over Instagram DM, and I was like, hey, here's my skill set. I've worked with these orcas kind of before would love to help literally in any way possible. Like I'll do anything. (laughs) And so I got a message back surprisingly, which like, you know, post college is like such a nerve wracking time. You're like, Oh my God, (laughs) what am I doing? (laughs) Um, So I felt super lucky and was super stoked to be part of the team. And I originally uh, started out as like a production assistant. And that was, I was still just so stoked to be part of the, (laughs) this project. Um, and from there, uh, as co-extinction kind of evolved, my role also kind of evolved. So now I'm producer and I was also able to be a cinematographer part of the documentary. Amazing. That's like a pretty cool journey to like, I don't know, to be a part of like such an amazing team though. Cause I've interacted with like Gloria and everything. And like, I just think she's the best ever, but like, that's such a cool project. And like, you're right out of college is totally nerve wracking because like, there's not a ton of jobs and I feel like it's hard to get jobs in like the field of environmental science. And then when you throw that like documentary like element in there, it's like, wow, pipe dream. And like you're doing it like right out of college too. 
Yeah, it felt like super surreal. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because like Gloria and I like right off the bat like clicked. Yeah. Because um, she actually the same summer, 2017, she was working for like the Canadian equivalent of Soundwatch nice. called Straightwatch. And so we kind of like knew each other but didn't know each other, like but like knew who the other person was. And I didn't realize when I reached out to Coextinction that that was that, that Gloria was, was creating this documentary or like had a background in journalism so it was so funny we're like oh twins you're the Canadian version of me and I'm the American version of you amazing <laughs> yeah there you go that's awesome so you so what is like your role as a producer like did you help with like storyboarding or was it like you're in the post editing stuff or is it kind of like all of it yeah, so yeah, it's a little bit of like everything. <laughs> um, I helped with, um, yeah, storyboarding and then like a little bit of like narration, script writing sort of stuff. And then, yeah, basically looking at edits and kind of saying like, here's some changes or like this, whatever, mm-hmm. sort of helping guide, <laughs> I guess, the production. And then like also doing stuff like events and, oh. and fundraising and grant writing and all, all that good stuff. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So... You know, you're from Ohio also. Did you always have, like, an, I don't know, were you always curious about marine life? Was it all animals, or were you, like, whales or bust? <laughs> so I definitely started with, like, loving basically all animals and wildlife and, like, bas- reading, like, every book I could or any magazine I could. But I definitely think I'd always had, like, a fondness for, like, the ocean and marine life in general. Mm-hmm. I think I got, like, my mom is very much uh, passionate about, like, the oceans, and we would always go, like, any time we could go on vacation, we would always go to, like, a beach, (laughs) and she loves, like, dolphins, and so I think that was really, like, a big influence on me, too, like, seeing her so passionate, so excited about (laughs) the marine world, um, and then just combining that with my general love for, like, all things wild (laughs) as a kid. For sure. Um, or is it perfect storm? <laughs> exactly. I love it. So do you think that's like kind of what motivated you to go do Soundwatch? Yeah, I think as I started to get older and started to realize how important the oceans are for our entire planet's health, um, I started to realize how much I wanted to work in specifically like environmental conservation. And yeah, orcas just in general are just such fascinating um such a fascinating species and i think a lot of people can really relate to them because of their like social behaviors and how many things they share how many behavioral traits they share with humans um i also like loved the free willy movie growing up like mm-hmm. <laughs> wore out my vhs <laughs> tape Amazing. of free willy it was the best <laughs> there you go i honestly don't even think i've seen free willy <gasps> oh my gosh okay well Hot take, uh, Three Willy 2 is my favorite. Okay. <laughs> the first isn't my favorite. You gotta watch the sequel. It's so good. And the Southern Residents are actually in that movie. Like, Granny and Ruffles and, like... Amazing. They're all actually in that movie, which is kind of cool. Those are, like, the true celebrities. <laughs> yeah, totally. Were you nervous? Um, did you interact with these whales? Did you get starstruck? <laughs> <laughs> I... Oh, my God. The first time I saw the Southern Residents, I cried. Me like, too. Like a baby. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think we talked about this a little bit, because Tori was in Monterey for a while, and, like, you know, in Ohio, like, you know, they teach you to be stoic and, like, not have emotions, but, like, whales just, like, they make me cry. Like, I'm always trying to be, like, yeah, pimps don't cry, I'm a pimp, like, you know? um, Totally. But it's, like, whales every time, and, like, I saw this other residents, and I, like, did the same thing. It's, like, cool, I'm on the boat with, like, passengers and, like, all this stuff, like, I don't know what it is. It's just like instantly, you're just like, 
it's so funny. I know. And like, it happens to like so many, even people who aren't necessarily yes. like really big whale people. Like, I'm sure you're a naturalist. I'm sure you probably see this all the time, but I have friends that are naturalists too. And they'll tell me about stories of like the last people they expect to get emotional, like just sobbing, like grown adults, just like crying, like babies, like so it. emotionally overwhelming for <laughs> some people. It is. And I feel like it's like one of those animals too, that like people just look up to it's kind of like lions or like elephants so like mm-hmm. it's just like one of those animals there where there's like a lot of wonder around it and so people yeah. are just like and they feel an emotional connection too because like these animals kind of mirror us in a way more so than mm-hmm. like a snake or something you know um right but yeah yeah that's they're like so amazing. socially complex <laughs> they literally are i like can't tell you how many times i've cried over whales it's like my brand is like crying about whales <laughs> <laughs> me too same brand ohio dolly Parton crying about whales <laughs> also crying about dolly parton um just a quick plug for anyone who hasn't listened to the dolly parton's america podcast listen to it you're gonna cry it's gonna be great it's an emotional roller coaster you'll laugh you'll cry exactly you will there was one day i was working as a baker with ellie who's been on this podcast like 900 times and like um she comes in i'm just like crying and like making bread and she's like what the (laughs) i was like Dolly Parton just amazing. It was like the episode where she was like talking about her relationship with Kenny Rogers and like the how she wrote the song "I Will Always Love You" and then the one where she wrote about Clear Blue Morning. That one got me too. Um, yes. Get me every time. Oh my time. god! The I literally don't was cry. like super similar situation listening to those podcasts at work. I was like stalking the shelves because um, side note, I also work at REI part time. Yes. <laughs> well, pretty much full time, but. Um, I was stalking the shelves in the morning listening to this podcast, just like sobbing. But now we all have to wear masks, so no one can really tell that I'm like crying. So the perfect cover up. (laughs) It's great. That is like one of the benefits of masks. Is like sometimes like you know your face is just expressive and it doesn't need to be, and no one has to know. (laughs) Yeah, nobody has to know. No one has to know. Amazing. So when you were there that first summer, did you spend mostly time with Southern residents or was it bigs? Because I know the resis have not been around as frequently in the recent years. Mm, yeah, so it was 20, summer of 2017 was a really strange summer. I remember uh, getting there and everyone telling me like, hey, this isn't normal. Like this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And so basically this that was the first summer where we started seen bigs more regularly Mm -hmm. so we would see bigs pretty much every single day Mm -hmm. and my understanding was before this it wasn't super common um to see transient orcas in that area at least at that frequency like definitely see them but not like every single day and so people were shook (laughs) and we were really surprised um to not see the southern residents basically at all i think i had like four days on the water where I saw them and then um a couple days off I think maybe four or five more when I was not on the boat um where I saw them as well so you know these whales are supposed to be in the water pretty much every day of the summer um Mm -hmm. because of you know you guys have talked about this all before but um they should be there like every day and we literally only saw them a handful of times that summer so it was definitely really bizarre and people just kept telling us how strange it was and not normal it was but for me it was normal because I you know like, I don't know I, this is a whale like yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was I mean you know I read books and done research so I knew they should be there in the summer but for me it was like you know yeah that's the only experience I personally had <laughs> yeah that's that's fair yeah, that's mm-hmm. how it was when I was there last summer, which was in 2019. I think we, I think I personally saw them like three times, three or four mm-hmm. times maybe. 
But yeah, it was like not up to par and everyone's like they used to be here all the time. And it sounds like they have been here more this past summer, like in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It, I haven't looked at the data. <laughs> it seems like they're starting to come like later and well, later in the summers more mm-hmm. frequently than they do um, in like the middle of the summer, which is when they used to like be there every single day. Yeah. Pretty much, not every single day, but <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, so where are you guys at with the film? Like, you guys are getting you're in post production. I know that much. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we are in post production still. Um, which you know, uh, it is a long process. Yeah. <laughs> to make this kind of um, product, so we're just definitely wanting to take our time, definitely making sure uh, that we like create the best possible documentary that we can because it is like so complex like there's so much going into it and then the thing that we're also like experiencing too is as we you know when we first started filming versus now like there are a lot of things that have changed so yeah (laughs) like keep up to date is also something we're making sure we're keeping up with yeah because i feel like that at least another the number of southern residents has changed multiple times since the time you guys started producing (laughs) yeah absolutely um it it definitely has changed and it was interesting because now well when we first started filming it was the summer when j35 was carrying her calf Mm -hmm. and we filmed we were filming just a maybe a week we started filming maybe just a week after she dropped her calf um so for us that was really real and for a lot of the people we were talking to it was you know fresh and just happened like just experienced this like never before seen kind of event and um it was crazy but then now you look at it comparatively uh in 2020 mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy year that has been uh there is a light and yes. that's j35 finally had a successful calf um so as of right now it's still healthy and looking great according to experts which is fantastic <laughs> amazing and eclipse had a baby too so two yes. babies. Two babies. Two babies. We love it. <laughs> yes i was talking to one of my interns and she was like this is what i needed in 2020 and i was like girl i feel you like <laughs> yes. there's something good happening oh my gosh yes it's literally been the highlight of my 2020 <laughs> yeah seriously i mean it's like it's it's amazing that they're like that it that there's two and that they're both doing well mm-hmm. and like i'm pretty sure it's like a 50 percent mortality rate so i'm like don't mm-hmm. die either of you two yeah neither <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah. i mean i think it especially it's on like just understanding how in like i feel like i've said this a million times already but how emotionally complex they are and how bonded like a mother and a calf are it's just it's so precious to see that relationship <laughs> especially yeah. when they're like itsy bitsy it's so pure. It, like, it's just, like, I feel like the Southern residents and just, like, orcas in general are an example for, like, how animals are so complex and how we don't know, you know, very much about them. And, I, you know, I've heard a lot of people be like, you know, animals aren't emotional, blah, blah, blah. But if you think about it, like, emotions in a way are kind of instinctual and they do help humans to survive. So, like, why would animals not have those same things? It's so obvious with at least J35. Like, you cannot deny. Like, there's no... <laughs> There's no reason why she would push her calf around for mm-hmm. for that long. Like, it's a totally one, you know? And you, like, literally look at, like, an orca's brain compared to, like, a human's brain. And, like, the social aspect of their brain is, like, hot, hot, more developed than ours, like, as far as, like, portion-wise. Mm-hmm. And so they probably are socially and emotionally complex on, like, levels we potentially couldn't understand. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I would say so. I mean, there's so much that we can't understand. I think that's one of the interesting mm-hmm. things about these animals is while we can study them for years and years, I don't know. Will we ever truly fully know what their experience is like? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. maybe if the technology gets advanced enough, but I don't think we're mm-hmm. there yet. Yeah. Animal intelligence is such a like amazing thing that I love to talk to people about. And like, it's an interesting like conversation too, because a lot of people don't necessarily think about it. Like, human versus animal intelligence and how it's different but you can't really like compare the two yeah yeah no you can't I mean we can like compare our intelligence our intelligence I feel like to monkeys or something Mm -hmm. like that and like I don't necessarily think that whales and dolphins are smarter but I just think their their intelligence is different than ours Mm -hmm. and like one of the things I've kind of wondered is like a lot of people like you know a lot of topics that came up in my college classes because I did like psych also was like what makes Mm -hmm. humans and animals different and like you know, there's several different arguments and a lot of people argue tools, but like we see that chimps have tools and things like that. But like part of me kind of wonders if like these animals are actually more intelligent than we are because they stay natural, you know, like they don't (laughs) self-destruct their environment and like necessarily destroy other species recklessly. Like there's a purpose if they do it for the most part, except for the big killer whales who like to punch around porpoises for fun. (laughs) yeah right or like sometimes the southern residents will do that too like play with porpoises oh that's right no that's right it was the southern residents oh bigs will do that like they both do it they both do it like cats will eat them yeah the cats they eat them they're like here's a snack Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. yeah so crazy it's wild so do you guys know when your film is gonna be done um as of right now i don't know if we have like a final set date okay um because we're still, you know, working through the edit and still working on distribution and figuring out how that will all work. So it's an interest. It's a it's a whole process. Lots of pieces of the puzzle have to like come together. So it's hard to like narrow narrow down a specific date. Yeah, I feel you. That's yeah. That was kind of the vibe I was getting from Gloria. But also, like, it's I'm sure it's hard to distribute right now too because of COVID. Because I know that you know you guys are talking about like film festivals and stuff, and um, that's mm-hmm. not really happening right now. Yeah, man, 2020, what a what a year. <laughs> what a time to be alive. It's definitely changed the trajectory of things for this project a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's changed the trajectory for so for everyone. Yeah. I every, like remember everything is shifted. <laughs> back in March like being like, "Okay, guys, we're going to be done by May." Just like see inside. Yes. I know my parents were like literally planning a trip at the end of June and I was like, "Oh, it'll be like long gone." It'll be like, long gone. Don't cancel your flight. Yeah, just keep it, keep going. <laughs> keep going, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and what a joke that was. <laughs> Hello, yeah. here we are. I'm wondering, like, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be, like, a year or so, like, before. I know. I was, like, before we can, to, like, gather. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was, like, trying to plan some stuff for, like, next fall. And, like, I was talking to someone about it. And I was like, do you, is this, like, do you really think it's a good time? Like, is it even worth it? And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. probably. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed um yeah but that's it's craziness hopefully we'll be out of this soon um i'm kind of curious to see like once they process all the data the impacts of covid on um the whales you know yeah absolutely and like especially 
like shipping traffic that's one of the biggest disturbers like tankers and shipping traffic because mm-hmm. they're such large vehicles you can see them from so far away mm-hmm. um so like when for example we were collecting data for like Soundwatch, um most boats we only count for like a half mile but even if we saw we could see a tanker we had to like write that in like our data like okay we can see a tanker like yeah. <laughs> they're so loud <laughs> yeah it's probably like making some kind of noise underwater yeah i mean for sure they have to like test that too I just Mm -hmm. saw something um, that I think it's Microsoft. I haven't looked into it, but like they're basically implementing something for the Southern residents to communicate underneath the water. Maybe I read that wrong. Maybe I just read the headline and then like made up the rest of my head. I should do the research before I talk about that. Um, But that looks super cool. Like that is so cool. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. Like that's my favorite thing. I mean, I'm in Seattle, so I'm pretty close to, like, the San Juans and being able to go see the Southern residents, which is so amazing. But um, I still, like, most of the time can't make it to the island <laughs> logistically when they're around. Classic. Um, but when I'm home and, like, I know they're there, I can turn on hydrophones and listen to them. Aww. And that's just so – it's so cool. Like, you can do that anywhere in the world. I used to do it when I was, like, in school in Ohio, too, after I came back. It was so like, I need cool. to hear what they're saying, what they're up to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're so cute. They're literally. Yeah, I think Ellie just posted, um, this will come out on Friday, so, like, a few days ago, by the time this episode comes out, that she, like, was listening to J-Pod off of Lime Kiln, like, the little hydrophone out there. Um, I love that. It's amazing. Um, so, what, like, have you learned from this documentary and from the whales? Like, what has been, like, surprising to you, and how do you feel like we could best proceed Mm, oh man that's such a good question I feel like the thing about this documentary that kind of like opened my eyes to a different aspect of what's going Mm -hmm. on with the southern residents was also understanding salmon um on a higher level because I definitely knew you know they need food and (laughs) there Mm -hmm. isn't any and so exploring you know why salmon populations are declining and exploring why salmon are such important species for the entire Salish Sea, not Mm -hmm. even just the southern residents and what's happening to salmon. And then also understanding how beautiful and resilient of a species salmon are um, Mm -hmm. on their own. So honestly, salmon was like such a big part of what I've learned about working on this project. But as far as the southern residents, uh, gosh, that's so hard to like narrow down what I've learn from them i think just my biggest takeaway is their resiliency and their ability to stay together and work together and learning about like greeting ceremonies Mm -hmm. which is like probably like the singular most mind-blowing fact that i worked on that i learned while Mm -hmm. working on this documentary (laughs) nice yeah it's it's so interesting to see the way that they have culture and like how they move through life and things like that and I think I mean I ask everyone that question like what can we learn from the whales and like pretty much unanimously I get something pretty similar to that like they're they work together and like they're resilient which they totally are at like I don't know we humans could definitely benefit from working together a little bit and like we have a lot to learn from the whales and like without like you know, romanticizing them or whatever. Like, I I mean, I still think that we can learn lessons from them. Um, yeah, but I think so too. I just, like, I really don't, I genuinely don't think that we can fail because of how many people are working on this. And, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, w- 
I don't know what you enter the Southern resident community and like all these doors open to all these cool people who are doing so many different things. Like I, you know, that's like one of the, the amazing things about it too, is cause there's so many niches to be filled, so much work to be mm-hmm. done. And there's, there's somebody willing to fill every role. And I'm like, hell yeah, guys, like, let's go. Um, and it keeps growing too. Like, and the more and more people that are exposed to these animals and that interact with them, the more that are interested in like conserving them. And they're such a special species and they're such a special group and it would be so sad to see anything happen but I genuinely like it's gonna be a pain to get there it's not gonna be easy it hasn't been easy thus far like it's been 20 years of research you know before either of us were probably even born you know Mm. but like people are willing to jump on board yeah yeah that's been such a cool thing that I've seen with this community more than any other you know kind of like environmental movement I've experienced or witnessed um just seeing how much people are willing to like totally commit to trying to save these whales. And it feels like, I don't know that people are just so impassioned. Like that's another really inspiring thing is just to see how much people are willing to create change and want to help to create change in order to save just this singular, like ego type of killer whale. It's so Mm -hmm. amazing. And I think a lot of what threatens the Southern residents reflects on like a bigger picture, like on a global scale. Yes. I feel like I talk to my friends about this all the time. Like, oh, you're just making like a documentary about a single species. Like what about everything that's going on in the world? And I'm like, well, if we do the things <laughs> to save the Southern residents and we are able to spread that message to people all over the country, like it's basically like the same thing, you know, yes. <laughs> fighting climate change is going to save the Southern residents cleaning up water systems is going to save the southern residents um reducing you know um how much land space we're taking up and being more conscious about agriculture is going to save the southern residents and like when you look at that on a bigger scale too like that's going to help a lot (laughs) with our current situation of climate change absolutely yeah absolutely there's I, I think you're you yeah you got it down pat of like you know just looking at this one species can kind of not necessarily be a blueprint because every species and every ecosystem has its own needs, but like definitely some common themes. I mean, so, you know, humans need the environment, animals need the environment. Why do you feel that these, like the problems that we see with the Southern residents are global? You know, why do you think it happens? Yeah, I think like a big part of it is just how dependent they are on salmon and how salmon are kind of reflective of the health of any particular like location that they're in. So, you know, you look at what's happening in um, the Salish Sea and happening, um, you know, in the Northern waters. And then you look at what's happened in California. Like there are basically no salmon in California when there used to be historically like amazing runs of salmon. Mm -hmm. Um, So it definitely is an indicator of like the greater health of the ecosystem. Um, And so I think when you take moves to improve the health of a single species you're taking we're making moves to improve the entire ecosystem as a whole and yeah totally like it's not like one solution for mm-hmm. <laughs> every single species but when we look at marine environments marine environments are so important for um marine environments are so important for total environmental health like salmon for example mm-hmm. are literally found like their dna is literally found in trees like isn't that so insane 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 <laughs> So it just shows to like shows the connection um, in one way. It shows like a liter- the literal connection from like land to sea. Yeah, um, Deborah Giles when she was on here, I think the second time she said that salmon. I, I'm gonna have to go back and double check myself, but um, impact 
up to 400 species and I was like oh my gosh like wow. that's so many oh my gosh Giles is my hero <laughs> I know right isn't she amazing she just she's like incredible oh my gosh she's so like I love that she like has Eva out there too and is like taking an innovative approach but like it's like people like her and like Lori Marino who are like both in science and advocacy mm. of like we need to get things done and like I don't know about you, but, like, I personally struggled with, like, I want to, like, I love research. Like, that's my passion. That's what I want to go down and do. But, like, I also am, like, we need to get things done. Like, I felt like I needed to choose between, like, policy and research. And, like, those two show me that I don't have to. Like, that you can be both. And, like, it's really inspirational to see those two women just, like, going out there, being women, being scientists, and, like, advocating for whales in different ways. And just, like being themselves and it's awesome <laughs> they're amazing yeah they're crushing it on so many levels and setting such an incredible example i think for people like you and me who are just beginning to navigate the early stages of our careers in this like environmental industry <laughs> yeah truly and like they break boundaries in a lot of ways like in in the ways that they conduct science in the ways that they communicate their science in like just how they exist. And I like also I'm just always particularly inspired by like women in the field because there's a lot of like male dominated things and like it just it's cool to see them go out there and do the work that they do that's like highly complex, very difficult and like just kill it. And like both yeah. of them are so willing to help also. They're like you and they're very encouraging, like you can do this and like keep doing this. And I'm like, what? Like it's yeah. it's awesome and we need more people like that because like that's what keeps people in the field like you know I like mm -hmm. just like more positivity and like more I don't know examples of how to do it I guess yeah more examples of like acting like the southern residents right like literally. working together and lifting each other up <laughs> literally exactly that's what those ladies do it's amazing yeah. and Eva does that just by being cute she's just incredibly like, I'm here. <laughs> she does it so well she is my Flawless. favorite orca biologist by <laughs> far like easily and like I try not to pick favorites but like I sorry all the yeah, it's hard not to when there's such a perfect candidate that is. I know, <laughs> so qualified, just like willing to stick her nose in it. <laughs> yeah. Nose to the grindstone, right? Nose <laughs> to the grindstone. That's what Eva does. She's ready to get it done. <laughs> she will Love do it. do the work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's that we could keep it going. <laughs> we could keep it going. Just, oh God! Don't get me started with like puns and jokes. I I need to stop. <laughs> Be like, I want to be taken seriously and then says, do you want I can't. Anyways. Nice. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to it. Um, yeah. Yes. Right. yes. Off the doo-doo train. Off the doo-doo train. Back onto serious stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I like do this. I'm going to cut this out. Where I, like, make a joke and then I laugh about it for, like, three days straight. <laughs> it's better to, like, get it all out than, like, having to, like, come back. And come back and, like, think about it again and then you're just, like, LOL. Yeah. Um, yes. But, yes. So many amazing whale people, whale dogs. Yes. Like, all of it. And Women in science love to see it. <laughs> we do love to see it. It's important. And that's what the episode before you was about. Like, we talked about, like, women's issues in the field and, like, 
I, yeah, it's like, it's something I don't know about you, but it's kind of difficult for me to talk about because I don't want to seem like I'm complaining. But, like, at the same time, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And, like, there are problems that women encounter, like, daily that, like, men just, like, don't encounter. And, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's... Yeah, I think it's super important. Like, it's a a real thing. And I think especially working in, uh, like, environment... One, he being an environmental journalist or, like, operating the camera especially. Like, there are not very many women out there. It is, like, a super male-dominated field. Um, so that's been such a <laughs> interesting uh, aspect to navigate. For sure. I noticed that today, actually, because Netflix is in Monterey, like, filming a documentary of sorts. And uh, we see their boat out pretty frequently. And, like, I looked over to the boat, and it was just, like, white dudes. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Perfect. Dude, that's, it's, it's real. <laughs> um, well, when I first met you, we had a conversation about, like, you were talking about photography and, like, privilege and financial privilege and the role that that kind of plays in environmental studies and in, like, photography and film. Do you care to, like, share? Because I talk about a lot of different topics on here, but I haven't touched on that one yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think I want to start uh, talking about this by just, like, acknowledging my privilege in general, too. Like, mm-hmm. I am extremely privileged woman who has been able to you know go to school I had a really supportive family and and I'm privileged I'm privileged on so many levels Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, I'm also coming from a position of privilege myself Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really important to acknowledge but um, with that being said yeah it's been such an interesting uh, experience as a woman uh, starting my career when I was in college, I worked at a TV station for a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was just, like, a production assistant there, mm-hmm. so not really, like, a super <laughs> critical role, but um, it was kind of, you know, you would, the idea was you could kind of, like, work your way up to maybe, like, being a camera person mm-hmm. or, you know, being a producer or whatever you wanted to kind of do mm-hmm. that. The system was kind of built to kind of encourage you to do that, and so <laughs> I really, like, wanted to, I suggested, like, hey, I kind of am thinking about, like, being a camera person and like everyone didn't understand what I was saying like literally that station didn't have any female videographers which isn't uh like most stations will have like one or two maybe but Mm -hmm. uh this station literally had like zero and hadn't had any women as camera people in like years either so it was just interesting I remember I asked like a specific person and they like kind of like scoffed at me they're like oh like no like what do you mean (laughs) and I was like oh but to also to like counteract that I also had a really amazing experience working on co-extinction actually um with like the people that were part of this project a lot of the like cameramen or the people who were sorry a lot of the videographers and cinematographers were super encouraging and super hands-on we're like Tori take the camera like dude that's amazing (laughs) so that was amazing and like totally boosted my confidence and like <laughs> made up for all the that's amazing not so fun things I started out my <laughs> camera person journey <laughs> yeah absolutely um that's awesome and I'm not shocked to hear that because Gloria is amazing and from what I've heard everyone that she surrounds herself with on that film has been amazing so um and it really does make a difference and like you know then you get to blossom and grow and now you're contributing to the field and you're contributing to like southern resident conservation and education it's amazing oh thank you so much it um it's been such a fun journey and i feel like like i said before so privileged to be a part of this documentary and be on this career path 
So yeah, it's been, it's been so much fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like we had also talked a little bit about like photography and film and like financial privilege and the role that that mm. plays in it. Do you care to share your thoughts on that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think I said this when we were speaking, but it's been so interesting to see like some of my, you know, former like student or former what's the word peers mm-hmm. <laughs> from like college or you know other people that I knew in the field um just kind of have their careers like taking off which is amazing and due to a lot of like really hard work as well um <laughs> but sometimes it can be uh frustrating when I uh you know I, I work also a part-time job for like basically 40 hours a week so it's a full-time job but <laughs> mm. um it's hard to balance it balance both it's hard to balance kind of having to work retail and then coming home and trying to like scrape up the money and the energy to also, um, you know, launch my career. So (laughs) it's been, especially I think for starting off and getting, have being able to work on co-extinction and having something right off the bat that was really amazing and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then these last couple of years, I'm still working on co-extinction, which is awesome, but just kind of like waiting for the next project, but Mm -hmm. also kind of like, okay, I don't really have any gear and I'm trying to save up and like scrap together some money. And then, yeah, watching other people who, you know, maybe have more privileged background or, you know, maybe better at saving than me. I don't know. (laughs) Just kind Um, of. um, (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think it's a better at saving thing. (laughs) Right. But (laughs) totally, you're probably right. I I think we just like be honest with that. Like, I I know it's uncomfortable to like be like, Hey, you have privilege, but like, also it doesn't help to be like, Hey, let me like coddle your ego (laughs) because you're going to like be upset if I call you on your privilege. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I guess I'm envious of like, you know, people who don't necessarily have to work a part-time job or have to work, you know, another job. But I guess at this, to the same degree, it's also really awesome that those people are like taking that privilege and putting it towards something yeah, good. Absolutely. You know, they could be doing something totally different or <laughs> something way less productive, but they're choosing to like use their time and resources towards environmentalism. But yeah, it's totally <laughs> can be super frustrating to not be progressing as quickly because of my, financial situation yeah I I feel you on that and I, like I, there's so many more things that I want to do with this podcast and for the southern residents and like with working two part-time jobs that equals over full-time and doing this it's just realistically not doable but yeah I mean I feel your frustration I think it's like important to talk about too because sometimes um, people don't realize it and it's not like you're a bad person like you said it's amazing that they're using the resources that they are to do the things that they are but it's also important to like recognize that like you didn't necessarily work harder than someone else your opportunities were just different Mm -hmm. and like at least I don't know about you but for me I've had people like you know say things about like working harder or like acting like you know better because that they were able to do some internship and like that's another thing about this field is it's it's super like super privileged and I'm sure you look around too Mm -hmm. and you don't always see other people that have to work part-time jobs and things like that. Cause like there's mm-hmm. so many unpaid internships with film and with like, you know, yeah. science and you know, education's expensive. Like even tests, like just taking tests are expensive and applications mm-hmm. alone. And some people don't think about that. So I don't know. That's like one of my goals. I want to make this like field more accessible to people who 
can't afford it. I don't know how I'm going to do that with um, my Dude, I jobs. totally, you are literally like crushing the game. Like well, thanks. you're doing so much amazing stuff and working so incredibly hard. I think especially like during COVID, I've noticed at least for me, I'm like so much more burnt out and it's so Same. much harder for me to take the time to do the work I'm actually passionate about. But because it before this, like I totally had like so much energy. I could get stuff done. No yes. problem. Easy peasy. But yeah. Now that, like, ever since COVID, I've had such a hard time staying productive when I get home from work. Like, I literally get home, and I am so dead tired. I feel and you. I don't, like, nothing has changed. My diet hasn't changed. My exercise hasn't changed. Like, everything is the same. The only thing that's different is this insane amount of stress that I think a lot of people in um, customer service-related fields are experiencing, especially. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I totally get it. It's, like, draining, and it's, like, hard, too, to, like, you know, you're sitting there working there f- for not a lot of money to, like, have to tell people to not endanger you or other people and, like, enforce rules. <laughs> totally. And then be exposed to this pandemic. And, like, customer service is already already a bit draining in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, like... In it. I think it's also just, like, the additional, like, responsibility just stresses me out. Like, being, like, worried about, like, oh, hey, this is, like, my responsibility to make sure this person doesn't get a potentially fatal disease. Like, like literally, you're like, please don't terrifying. die. Please do not die. Thank you. And they're also, like, I feel like, in general, people have been, because everyone's, you know, going through this and experiencing something absolutely traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone, I've noticed a lot. A lot more of my customers have been a little bit more like snappy and <laughs> grumpy. I mean, I'm sure everybody's burnt out. Like it's exhausting to just be in a pandemic in the first place and then be also in like the world is in at least in the United States, like kind of a social upheaval as well. And then the election's about Ooh. to happen, so there's like the added stress of that and like <sighs> I feel like it's like I mean, it was pretty clear how divided this country was last election, but I feel like everyone is, like, heels in the ground, like, I am not changing my mind, (laughs) like... And and it's, it's like, like, so insane, and the moment that we're in right now when it comes to, like, climate change, like, things need to change right now, or it's gonna get really ugly, like, really soon. I mean, you've seen it in Monterey, like, the wildfire smoke. Um, We had it here in Washington, too. Like, it is... So insane what like everywhere around the country is experiencing something insane you know whether it's hurricanes whether it's wildfire whether it's you know crazy flooding all this it's everywhere yes (laughs) i feel you what like i mean ohio i feel like has like the out of all the places that i've lived like the least amount of natural disasters which is a great perk i love that um tornadoes but like those are manageable but i came here and like i think because i've experienced hurricanes tornadoes um like in the wildfires now and i think mm-hmm. the wildfires are my least favorite <laughs> um yeah. and they like the hurricanes you can escape but it's like it like it's interesting because like i don't know i remember in 2010 i was doing this thing with my zoo and learning about polar bears and climate change and they were like we have another hundred years to figure this out and then like within five years they're like oh actually it's like 10 years guys and i was like whoops okay but it's, like, Florida's, like, underwater already. Mm-hmm. It's, like, going to legitimately be underwater, like, yeah. sooner than we think. And then, like, everyone's on fire on the West Coast. Yeah, they, I listened to this really interesting podcast the other day um, from the New York Times, The Daily. Mm-hmm. They did, like, a special on climate migration in the United States and, like, what that's oh. going to look like in the next couple of years. Interesting. 
and it was honestly like highly recommend yeah <laughs> um but it was so crazy to like hear some of like the plans and predictions for the future and basically like what they were saying was like it real estate like there was this expert that was talking about who this expert in um like real estate prediction like where Mm -hmm. the next like hot markets are going to be and he was like they're all going to be like in the northern midwest like (laughs) because that's going to be like one of the only places that's going to be like basically livable because you look at like that totally like so many people live on the oceans rising ocean waters water availability is becoming like such a huge issue like flooding (laughs) and just yeah it's there's so much there's so much going on but so we gotta much. take it one a day at a time we gotta vote make sure you're registered yes. make, make sure, sure you get out there <laughs> get that get that vote in the mail if you're mailing it i know california sent all the ballots to everybody yeah. i already stuck mine in the mail so yeah let's go Actually, yeah we got this we got it we gotta vote tell everyone to yeah. vote <laughs> and vote even you know it's important presidential elections are important but also make sure uh, during your local elections that you're voting as well because yeah. that is where really important change in your communities can happen yes. too especially if you guys are in the san juans because the southern yes. residents need your vote like it's really interesting just to see kind of like the orca task force and like how that all mm. played out and everything but i saw that wdfw is um like trying to implement new changes um to like whale watching guidelines mm-hmm. and monica whelan shields from like orca behavior institute wrote a letter and like publicly posted it and she was like um this is kind of the opposite of like what we're supposed to be doing but it was like totally like restricting the viewing and like it would absolutely like mess up the economy but like i think one of the benefits that people forget too is that um like having those boats around then people know where the boats are because like the wreck boats and like people who are not biologists and naturalists like i mean it's like fairly easy to see an orca when you're like close but like they don't know what to look for you know mm-hmm. no we so gloria and i actually last summer we were we did a trip to the san juans together and we volunteered on Sandwatch for a couple days mm-hmm. and so we both like i said before we both had experience on the water basically doing the exact same program and so we knew what it usually looked like but that day we were with the southern residents on the west side um, and that was when they had, like, you know, the whale watching ban, the suggested ban. I, I mm-hmm. can't remember exactly what it was. But basically, there were no whale watching boats with the whales on the west side. And it's such, like, a highly trafficked area. Um, so, so many boaters just had no idea the whales were there because they're used to seeing, you know, that giant fleet of boats <laughs> beside the whales. Mm-hmm. And especially on the west side, like, that's, you know, pretty much always there if the southern residents are there. So, we saw, like, Two of the closest calls I'd ever seen in my life to like any whale. So like yeah. you know, even the summer where we didn't see southern residents, <laughs> the closest call I'd ever seen to a, a boat hitting a whale, um, twice happened in the same exact day, and we, it was it was insane. And like the whole boat, I remember we were like speeding up to try to like stop them and like wave them down. Yeah, but we all afterwards like started like crying because it was so terrifying like we literally thought that this boater was gonna plow right through the whale like hitting an endangered whale and that would be a terrible day yeah yeah for sure that's that is very scary it definitely is important i mean most people just don't know and it's like hard to know and like you're not gonna know how an animal behaves unless you spend like a lot of time around it or you Mm -hmm. study it so it's like you know not like it's like there is responsibility that falls on them but also like Mm -hmm. being realistic like we can't expect them to like 
be like, okay, guys, like, we're gonna, like, you gotta watch the whale completely. Like, they're not gonna know, like, realistically, Mm -hmm. so. And the tricky thing about the Southern residents, too, even for, like, you know, whale watching boats, but for recreational boaters, too, is that they are so spread out, and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, they'll take dives and come up, and you won't know where they're going to be, so... And it's also kind of, you know, difficult to see a whale if the water's, you know, choppy or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's just a lot of factors going against it if <laughs> there's nothing there for them to identify that whales are yeah. also there. Absolutely. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I feel you. So vote in your local elections. Vote in your presidential election. Mm-hmm. Vote for all, like, the other things that are on your ballot. Like, I mean, yeah. and if you live in California, your ballots were sent to you, so you have time to sit there and do the research totally which is nice i know i love that like in washington it's all like mail-in voting too and it's been it's such a cool experience to be able because i feel like you go to the polls and you have to like have a memorized list of like okay yes vote yes on this vote no on this but don't forget that this is this and you like you like this person because of that and yes whatever <laughs> dude that's yeah. what i was thinking i was like it's like a test like being in school again yes, like you get to totally. cheat but it's important you need to cheat so you can remember what is <laughs> yeah. the right thing to vote for yeah totally and like you know, that's, like, another thing that's totally, like, a privilege. Like, being able to vote is such an amazing privilege that we have as, like, citizens. So definitely, like, make sure that you are participating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take advantage, all that jazz. Yeah. Um. So are there any, like, experiences that you will have that you care to share or any, like, final thoughts that you want people to know? Mm, that's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the most important thing that you can do is try to create change Mm -hmm. in whatever small or big way you're able to. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if it's something tiny, even if it's, you know, changing maybe one of your own habits, maybe changing your diet a little bit or reducing your meat intake or, you know, calling your representative or writing a letter or... Mm -hmm whether it's something bigger, like pursuing the career that you never thought was possible and just <laughs> working, working towards your dreams. Um, yeah. Any, any step that you're willing to take that's forward for, you know, the environment for the Southern residents, I think is huge and be patient with yourself, be kind with yourself because there's so much going on in this world and it can all feel really overwhelming especially right now but just take it one step at a time and you'll get there we'll get there together yeah change is gonna happen it'll come but it takes a lot of work it does absolutely and like take care of yourself too I feel like is another theme that's come up because so many people are, are like so many people are literally like willing to die like willing to kill themselves for these whales and I don't mean like commit suicide kill themselves but like work themselves to death you know and like it's yeah it's like you gotta take care of yourself and don't have to do things perfectly just do them we need mm-hmm. millions of people doing this imperfectly not like one yeah. person doing it perfectly so continue totally. to be imperfect and make changes just little things i love that yeah i love that <laughs> oh my goodness well it was such a pleasure having you and i'm oh. so excited for your film and i'm so excited we met i'm just jazzed about that in general <laughs> Um, yes thank you so much you have to come down to seattle and visit really soon (laughs) for sure you're not the first person that's this week that's been like okay when are you coming back to washington so (laughs) um yes i will plan for that but thank you so much this was awesome thank you okay you're 
the coolest podcast ever. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so sweet. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Definitely check out our trivia this Tuesday at 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. More details are on our Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Message us if you have any questions. But yeah, also check out our merch and our Patreon and check out that Audible subscription if you want to. But we appreciate you. Have a great week. Okay, goodbye.